Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. And this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. It's Friday, July 22nd. Something we say a lot here on the Bloomberg Crypto team is everything old is new in crypto. And what we mean by that is while there's a perception that ideas like the blockchain are novel and groundbreaking, the reality is there's lots of precedents for other concepts in crypto. This is particularly clear right now as crypto experiences its own version of a Bear Stearns moment, which all begs the question, are concepts like DeFi or decentralized finance just reinventing traditional finance with more complexity and a sprinkling of the blockchain? Or is there genuine novelty here? For more on these questions, I'm joined by Bloomberg Opinion columnist Matt Levine and Bloomberg reporter Muyao Shen. Matt, Muyao, this is a truly exciting moment in the history of the pod. We have none other than Matt Levine, who, if you're not reading him for his takes on Elon Musk, you should be reading him for his takes on crypto. Like, what is wrong with you? Get it together. Subscribe to his newsletter. And Muyao, who has been, you know, since joining Bloomberg, just absolutely on fire as it relates to covering everything DeFi, which all seems to be melting down in one in one direction right now. So what we're going to do today with these two fantastic guests is explore a little bit how what we're seeing in decentralized finance and centralized finance have echoes of what we've seen before. And without revealing just how old Matt and I are, I can say that we were both around in 2008 and were aware of the financial crisis of that time. And we're going to make a couple of other historical references. Does that work for you both? Yeah. All right. Sure. Let's get started. So, Muyao, what's DeFi? DeFi is, you know, short for decentralized finance. It is one of the narrative or innovation crypto wants to uh, sort of create to replace the traditional finance, which, you know, crypto people like to say, TriFi. And it's basically tokenized in every financial instrument on blockchain. And Matt, as two of us who have covered, you know, TradFi or what I've heard referred to even more disparagingly as OldFi, which, wow. That's me. <laughs> Rude. I am OldFi. We are, we are OldFi. Um, what about DeFi looks to you like OldFi? Well, you know, I want to be careful. I think that like there is a sort of like core element of DeFi that is truly decentralized and that is different and interesting. But what's been interesting in the last like few weeks to months has been that so many people who were in sort of broadly speaking the DeFi space turned out to be much more centralized than people thought and to look a lot like 
the financial system of sort of, you know, late 2007, where it was a lot of like very levered players lending to each other in opaque ways where uh, it was hard from the outside to know who was going to blow up when someone else blew up. So like, you know, when like Lehman Brothers collapsed, that was a, that was an investment bank for those of you who are, you know, 19. Uh, when Lehman Brothers collapsed, there was a lot of like, who has exposure to Lehman? What commercial paper fund, what, a, you know, money market fund or what investment bank or what commercial bank is going to go down because they were lending money to Lehman? And there, there are worries like that that are repeating and propagating through the crypto system where, you know, there were a couple of very high profile failures in crypto. One was the Terra Luna ecosystem, which I think you'd probably call DeFi. Um, and the other was was a hedge fund called Three Arrows Capital, which is like a hedge fund that did some DeFi stuff, some other crypto stuff. And both of those basically like the fallout of that has been interesting to trace. And it wasn't, I think, necessarily obvious to everyone where that fallout would go until, you know, other platforms started declaring bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned commercial paper, which I remember when none of us cared about commercial paper, and then we all had to care about commercial paper. And I feel like I'm there again, because that's also at the center of a lot of speculation around stable coins or Anytime stable you're caring coins. about commercial paper, it's a bad, bad sign, right? You don't want that. Yeah, no, it's just it's not good. So, you know, Muyao, I know you're not 19. And I know you know what Lehman Brothers is. But what are you seeing, especially as it relates to some of the folks from, you know, TradFi who are interested in crypto or even disparaging of crypto, where do you find yourself saying, yeah, actually, that's how that's similar, but this is how that's different? Yeah, uh, for sure. I think, yes, I'm not that old or I'm not that young, but I want to say like all of my knowledge from finance is actually from what I learned in DeFi. You know, there are a lot of concepts in DeFi that was claimed to be innovations, but after I talked to people who are, you know, had a Wall Street uh, experience, they told me, oh, that's been long existing in, in traditional finance forever. I think a classic example recently would be uh, Stake East on Lido, uh, which is Ethereum staking platform. What it is, uh, is basically if you stake your ETH with this platform Lido, that you get a derivative token called staked ETH instead. And you can use the staked ETH to trade and or to use it as a collateral on different other DeFi platforms for lending and borrowing and things like that. And oftentimes I heard from people who had a TriFi experience that they would tell me that sounds like security back back to loans. And, you know, Matt, as you have written about, I mean, everything, but as, as you've written about elements of these, including this concept of shadow banking, which really came up in that 2008 context, are there things where you're sort of looking at this and you're like, really, really, we're reinventing this again? Oh, sure. I mean, just like, just like the very simple core of like shadow banking. I mean, chat, you know, a bank is an entity that borrows short term and lends long term, classically. There's a lot of, you know nuance around that. But basically, a bank is something that takes deposits that people can take can withdraw on demand. And it makes like mortgage loans where people don't have to pay them back for 30 years. And so that is profitable. That's like a, you know, in, in very loose terms, it's an arbitrage because the mortgages pay more than the deposits. And so you can collect the interest difference. Um, but it's conceptually very risky business, right? Like, uh, if there's a run on the bank, and you don't have any money in the vault, then you know, you get in big trouble. 
And so banking has, is a business that has existed for hundreds of years and ran into a lot of problems around runs on the bank and around various sorts of shenanigans and related party loans and whatever. And so in modern America, banking is like pretty regulated. And so like that's that's banking, right? Like banking has a lot of rules and those rules are all sort of from from bad experience, right? Like those rules exist because something went wrong and people are like, oh, we need a new rule. And in 2008, it was like 2000, you know, five to 2007, there were there were a lot of there's a lot of talk about shadow banks, and a shadow bank is basically something that does that business of borrowing short to lend long, but is not a bank, and so can do stuff that banks are not allowed to do. Uh, one thing that sometimes shadow banks do is is they are even more levered than a bank, right? Where a bank typically has, you know, like in the ballpark of three to ten percent equity. So like. Most of its loans are funded by deposits, but some of them are funded by shareholder money. And so if some of the loans go bad, the shareholders lose money, not the depositors. Shadow banks could be, you know, 100 times levered. A, a, you know, a money market mutual fund, arguably a shadow bank, can be like sort of almost infinitely levered. In crypto, you sort of look around, and I don't think people knew this until like platforms like Voyager and Celsius started blowing up. But you look at like these crypto platforms and their leverage ratios are are somewhere between very high, like, you know, like four or five percent equity to practically infinite. And if you look at like if you look at Tether's balance sheet, they're like, oh, we're totally backed. We are super solid. And then you like do the math and it's like they have like 0.2% equity. And you're like, well, that's very low, right? And like, and you know, you look at their assets and you know, the question is how much equity do you need for like the kind of assets you have? And if Tether was a thing that took deposits from like stablecoin investors and invested them in like r accounts at the Fed, then running at 0.2% equity would be great. It'd be, it'd be like, you know, more than you need. But like, in fact, their li list of assets is like commercial paper, which no one knows what it is. And everyone sort of assumes the worst about their commercial paper. But it's also, it's like crypto back loans, loans to crypto hedge funds and, and, and other platforms that some of whom have gone bankrupt and Tether's like, oh, we got out in time, it's fine. Um, and it's like cryptocurrencies, which like maybe those are stable coins that are fine. Maybe those are stable coins that are not fine. Maybe those are Bitcoin, which is super volatile. And so you look at their asset and you think, you know, is there enough volatility in this, like in the asset side of the balance sheet that they should have more than 0.2% equity? And I don't know, man, I'm just like a simple old fi guy, but like that seems like a really low amount of equity for like the asset mix that they have. And I think, you know, if you ask, you know, Tether people, they're like, no, no, it's fine. It's totally great. Like nothing can ever lose money. Our commercial paper is money good. We get out of all of our bankrupt companies just before they go bankrupt. It's great. It's no problem. We'll be right back with more from Muyao and Matt on how a lot of the complex DeFi so-called innovations have existed in TradFi for a very long time. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. 
Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Well, you have reported on DeFi for a long time. You have spoken to people who supported Terra and Luna. You've spoken to people who lost money on Terra and Luna, either because they were retail investors or because they were counterparties of... Is there anything about what Matt is describing to you in like the context of you know, how we navigated our way through 2008 that you're seeing folks now trying to do a better job of? Or is this more like, you're like, wow, 2008 seems like we were in better shape than we are right now. One thing I've been thinking about lately, most the majority of platforms or companies we're talking about here who have failed in crypto, they're all centralized entities versus truly DeFi. Even Terra itself, which is a a quite complicated ecosystem that, you know, it, it, it is a DeFi platform as, you know, just everything runs on Terra blockchain, but you do have uh, Doquan and Terraform Labs, all these entities and individuals behind this uh, this platform. Like, you know, literally when Doquan tweeted about something and people would believe it and then people would, uh, you know, trust his kind of uh, intent in terms of how he's going to save this project uh, whatsoever. And all other platforms such, such as, you know, Voyager, which uh, bankrupt as a result of the contention of Sir Arrow's hedge fund. These are all centralized entities that had a very little transparency in terms how how healthy their business had, had been. Uh, I think this is one thing that I would say potentially similar to what happened in the great financial crisis, which I don't have much experience with. But DeFi itself, because it's transparency and also because, you know, majority loans that was made on DeFi are overly, are over collateralized and you, we have not really seen any DeFi projects has collapsed or failed in the latest uh, crypto crash. As my last question to both of you, Muyao, is there anything when you're talking to folks in DeFi that they are looking to TradFi and they're like, hmm, maybe we should do that? And Matt, same for you. You know, have you observed any like DeFiifications? That is a terrible phrase, but have you observed any examples of traditional lenders or more traditional Wall Street banks adopting any DeFi practices that seem like useful? That's a really good question. I think in general, Something I am kind of confused about when I oftentimes talk to not just DeFi people, but crypto people, is that, you know, DeFi is supposed to completely replace the whole traditional finance. But every time when we 
see kind of headlines within the involvement of Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley with crypto. All the crypto people get excited. They're like, oh my God, they're doing something in DeFi. They're doing something in crypto. I think that's, that to me is just fascinating because I cannot imagine any of these investment banks would uh, take advantage of whatever DeFi is trying to create in terms that's like better than TriFi. For example, the transparency. But I think just based on what I my experience talking to all, all the people in TriFi and uh, DeFi, there's this kind of, this is just like a very contradictory sort of phenomenon that they want uh, uh, Wall Street to do more in DeFi. But in reality is that like that should not be the direction they're going. If they truly believe in DeFi, they should think more that like we are going to like beat them up and we are going to replace them. Instead of, oh, we are going to embrace all these investment banks going or other Wall Street giants going into DeFi. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is um, DeFi is is cool. Like, like if you're a, a person with a certain mindset, if you're like a technologist or like a market structure person, like DeFi is like, we have built all new market structures for you to play with. Isn't that fun, right? And so there are efficiency reasons why you might find like some aspects of you know smart contracting or whatever or composability of functions you might find those things appealing but there's also just like it's intellectually appealing to someone who sort of works in like the minds of the of the financial markets all day to like like kind of like go over into this like wholly new territory and so you certainly see people at banks get excited about like defi buzzwords i mean like like this is sort of old news by now, but like in like 2016, 2017, like you couldn't go a day without a bank announcing a blockchain project, right? Like no one knew what it meant, but it was just like banks were like, oh my gosh, a blockchain. And like, that's like, you know, it's like a sort of DeFi-ish concept of like, we're going to like have this sort of shared ledger of our transactions where like there'll be some sort of like, you know, decentralization and like open ledger of the transactions rather than like us faxing, you know, our lawyers, like the confirms or whatever, right? Like it, it just seems so shiny and efficient. Um, but the other thing I'll say is that like a lot of people in TradFi feel that way, but rather than implementing a DeFi project at their bank, they quit and become, you know, like crypto hedge fund managers, right? So like you mentioned Sam Bankman-Fried, like he's a guy who's like a market structure guy at, at a, you know, traditional market maker. And then was like, Crypto crypto seems really fun, but also I can make so much money there. Like I said, like DeFi is like cool and possibly more efficient in some ways, but also just like the spreads are, you know, insane. And so you can make a lot of money. And so like a lot of people are trying to find ways for their banks to make more money. But like these are regulated entities and like custody and crypto is challenging and you know, like supervisors don't necessarily like it and all this stuff. But if you quit and just start your own crypto hedge fund, there's like so much money to be made. And so I think that's a lot of what's happening in traditional finance is everyone's quitting to do crypto, or they were before crypto crashed. Right. And on that note, thank you both. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You can find more of Muyao Shen's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal, on Bloomberg.com and on Twitter. She's at Muyao Shen. That's M-U-Y-A-O-S-H-E-N. You can also find more of Matt Levine's columns on the Bloomberg Terminal on Bloomberg.com or follow him on Twitter. He's at Matt underscore Levine. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, Mary Catherine Later has a story to tell. She was a rising star at BlackRock when she left Wall Street and traditional finance for crypto and decentralized finance. She's now Chief Operating Officer at Uniswap Labs, 
which is the creator of the world's biggest decentralized exchange protocol. She'll join my colleague, Bloomberg reporter Olga Karif, to talk about her belief in blockchain, what comes after the Terra collapse, and how she sees decentralized finance shaping the future. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, and this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Email your questions, comments, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net, and you'll find us on Twitter at Crypto. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergalina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producer is Mohammed Farouk. Our associate producers are Zanab Siddiqui and Moses Annam. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidrin. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. Brought to you by Sherm, a better workplace, a better world.